Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Willow Talk, Adam Peacock alongside Brad Haddon once again. Hads, how are you, mate? I'm just waiting for you to gloat. Uh, I've been walking in here today. Yeah. I'll let you have your moment. Go for it. No, nah, later on I'm going to save it. New South Wales in a uh, in a fair degree of bother once more. But we'll get to that a bit later. There's a stack to talk to and we've got a couple of great guests lined up in the next uh, week or so, Hads, and one you're looking forward to next week, Ryan Harris. And this gentleman who's with us right now, Mitch Johnson, Joining us on Will I Talk for the first time. Mitch, how are things, mate? G'day, guys. Adam Hads, good to see you guys. Everything is really well. Um, I'm looking forward to the Ryan Harris one, actually. He's he's probably my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> he's an absolute gentleman. And there's a deep well of stories about him as well, Hads, isn't we, there? We could actually do a whole show on, on mm. Ryan Harris. And I think Mitch and I will cover across a, a lot of that, that today. And I don't know if Ryan will get the opportunity to get a word in with the right reply, but uh, <laughs> he, he was good fun. He, he was a good teammate, but shit just happened to Rhino. No matter where he was, things just happened to him. There's always something going on with Rhino. He'd be stuttering and carrying on, and he was a good fence sitter as well. I, I, I enjoyed um, when you put him under a bit of pressure. He, he didn't mind sitting on the fence. <laughs> now, with Mitch, obviously, later on, it's a decade since that, Ashes campaign that we'll never forget, and him in particular as well. 2015 World Cup, other World Cups, given that that will be the majority of the theme throughout this show. But Brad, can you just set us up with a story for Mitch, maybe outside cricket or maybe <laughs> oh, a, a tour story, if, if you don't mind? I, I don't want to get the guy to just storm off here, but um, <laughs> something that, uh, I don't know, PG that you can share with us, Bradley? Well, that takes that takes 95% of the stories. <laughs> but I will tell you one. I know in this day and age, like, load management's huge. So yeah. you've got to make sure your, your players are fresh and peaking at the right time. And I, I remember winning a series in South Africa in 2009. And I've gone out for dinner. I come back and I've seen a lonely figure at the bar in Cape Town. It was Mitch. So I walked in and had a beer and had a couple with him. And next thing you know... It, we're 20 vodka rebels deep. He's got his shirt off on a table uh, with the fitness trainer, <laughs> We're with the, the bowling coach. And I remember turning up the training the next day trying to hide it. And what I didn't realise, I was smart enough when you got home is to get straight in my room. Yeah. When Mitch has knocked on the coach's door and he turned up to training the next day, he said, were you out with Mitch Johnson? I'm thinking, oh, what have I done? I can't remember. <laughs> and he basically just said to us, you two aren't training. <laughs> Get in the bloody ice bath. <laughs> Remember that? I do now. <laughs> this is why I've come on the show uh, is to listen to these stories, Hads. You, you've got a very good memory. Uh, I, I tend to try and forget things, mate. I actually think it was that same. You don't want to forget that no, one. No, I, I actually think that same tour. <laughs> we had the partners come over and Jess had arrived and, you know, she she was in the room with me. We were starting to, um, you know, just reacquaint ourselves together and it was mm. Phil Hughes and – Peter Siddle came knocking on the door. They were hammered. This is like middle of the day. They were hammered. You know, Jess and I are, you know, fiddling around and, and doing whatever. And that would have been quick. Well, would have been real quick. Yep. Uh, and Sid's, Sid's just kept, was persistent. He kept knocking on, Mitch, come out. We've got to go. And Jess yells out, Sid's F off. And then he just like complete silence. And I think um, I think Sis was quite scared of her um, after that moment as well. Oh, it's great to hear all these stories from these Kentucky tours you lot used to go on at the expense of cricket in Australia. <laughs> it gets better. This was a really good couple of days because we just won the series. And I remember Karina, uh, my wife, that turned up with with our kids as well. And and Sid's and uh, Phil Hughes were walking past when I was going to breakfast. They said, 
where's breakfast? <laughs> and, and I sort of looked at him and I said, the same place the last three days, you goose. And Sid's just going, shaking his head, goes, we haven't made breakfast <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> since they got there. So that were the good days. Good days. Brilliant days, brilliant days. So uh, a bit later on, we're going to walk down in a cricketing sense, I think, Mitch. We'll walk down memory lane with your good self. Uh, with Myself and Hads are going to discuss the uh, domestic cricket scene, which, as mentioned at the top, looking forward to. But let's get into our World Cup campaign, shall we? And don't forget, next Saturday morning, after the Aussies play Pakistan, we'll be back with another Willow Talk to quickly review everything that's gone on in Australia's fourth match of the World Cup. But um, we've got a little sample size to go off right now, Mitch. Where do you reckon the, the boys are at after, um, yeah, the good result against Sri Lanka and the not-so-good results before that? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, they've come up against Sri Lanka, who uh, they were on the bottom of the, the table as well. And to be fair, they, they were in a pretty good position with the batting in that first innings. Uh, and then just that collapse just really... Really killed it for them. Australia did bowl well in that back end to, to get back into the game, I thought. They made a, a couple of good changes. They they started to look good in the field. There's still a long way to go for me in this tournament. It's a tough tournament, as, as Hads knows. And you don't want to be losing two good games at the start. I mean, they were against two quality sides as well. Knowing you're coming up against India, in India, in a World Cup with the crowd right behind them is always going to be tough. But then I think... They probably were a little bit surprised by South Africa and they didn't play their best cricket in that. And and what was really disappointing for me through that match was the body language and the way that I wrote an article on it actually uh, last week uh, and it was my 10-year-old daughter said to me, why are they not – she was sitting down watching with me. They, she said, why are they not cheering when they get a wicket? Why are they not all happy? And I said, it's a really good mm-hmm. question because – you know, they own a World Cup. They've, they've got to be up and about. They've got to have energy. And if a 10-year-old's picking up on that, then there's, you know, a bit of an issue. So, uh, look, it was good to see them get back into some sort of form, I guess. We're going to, I guess, wait and see because, for me, it was against Sri Lanka who, you know, were on the bottom of the table as well. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, they won the game. So, you, you hopefully they can gain a bit of momentum out of that. With um, We'll talk about the Pakistan fixture now. We'll, we'll get to what happened with South Africa in the last couple of days and England as well shortly. But um, Hads, overall, Pakistan and, and the threat that they pose. Australia, great record over time against them. Uh, won 15 of the last 18 ODIs against Pakistan in the past decade, but lost the last two in a row. So I don't know where you look at in terms of a, a form line going in. Or do you look at purely what's been done so far now that we've got these three games to go off at the World Cup? Yeah, they're a hard team to plan for, Pakistan, because they're, they're so unpredictable. We, we've seen the first two games of the tournament, they, they were up and about. Their big boys were playing well. They've got a quality bowling attack with Ralph and, and Afridi up front there. Rizwa was was getting runs in the middle and has taken the game on, and it was it was good to watch them. And then they produced the game under pressure against India that they just blown off the park. Basically, they had that big collapse. But they're, they're really hard to plan for because they're so unpredictable. Mm. Uh, they're, they're an emotional team. They, they play a lot on on emotion, and you don't know when you're going to to get the good or the bad. The, the one thing they've done over recent time is their good and bad performances got a lot closer, mm. which is a dangerous side, but. They're a hard team to plan for, and the Aussies will have to be, as you said, Mitch, I'll have to be up um, emotionally for, for this game. Their body language will need to be good, and I need to start well and not allow Pakistan to, to get any rhythm into the game. Yeah, I totally agree, and and you look at a, a glimpse of 2015, it's Adelaide Oval and the little battle between 
uh, Watson and Wahab Riaz, um, that little battle that they had. And that just sort of fired. That's what they're like, Pakistan. They get emotional, they get fired up and they have those moments, but they are they are a bit unpredictable. I think at the start of the tournament of this World Cup, I, I had them as probably uh, one of the favourites because of that unpredictability, but they have got some star players and when they get it clicking, they're, they're very tough to beat. And if they get a bit of a roll on, I think look out because they'll be tough, tough to beat in this World Cup. Mitch, what about our uh, new ball attack? So the, the figures for your first 10 overs with the ball. Three for 27 against India. Had them in all sorts of bother. Could have been a little bit more. South Africa, none for 53. Sri Lanka, none for 51. Is there a trend here that needs to be addressed? The three-pronged pace attack well, looks like it's not going to change at all, given the caliber of those three in there. What do you make of it all? Um, yeah, there is a lot of talk around this attack and, and they're very comfortable with that attack as well. Uh, I mean, for me, Mitchell Stark has to, he has to perform. He has to be at his best trying to get the ball to swing early. I, I, I sort of look at the attack and it's a real tough one because you've got Pat Cummins, right, as the, as the captain and he probably hasn't been at his best apart from the last game. I thought he bowled a lot better. Uh, him and Hazelwood are very similar bowlers. Uh, they they hit the deck. Um, I find that they, they're fairly consistent I would have Sean Abbott in that that attack, but who do you take out? That's the biggest issue. Josh Hazelwood is, I think, he's number one bowler in, in one day cricket. He's bowled pretty well in this tournament. He's a, he's a good bowler because he's consistent. He hits a a good line and length, and it makes it difficult. And in those conditions in India, when you're when you're tight and you're bowling that length uh, or that line and length, it's it's tough. But the only only person I see sort of dropping out of that is you, you if you're going to bring a Sean Abbott in because of what he brings, I think he brings a lot of variety. He can bowl at the front, he can bowl in the middle, and he can bowl at the back end. It, the only person you can bring out of that attack is is Cummins, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I guess the trend is at the moment that what teams are trying to do at the top, are they trying to keep wickets in intact? They're able to do that, none for 50 mm. in the first 10, because a lot of these teams have strong middle orders that will go on the attack and be able to get a lot of runs in that back end. So... Look, it could have been very different in that India game. They were uh, three for and they dropped Coley. Could have been a, a different game. But, yeah, I think there's definitely a trend at the moment and that's just to try and maybe stamp out that first 10 overs of, of good bowling. Mitch, an interesting one there for me. You, you've opened a lot of, in the IPL there and, and for Australia. It, it's the mindset of those fast bowlers. We, we know teams are going to come hard in Indian conditions. That It's the best time to bat. There's not a lot of sideways movement, but... The one thing you can do, you can create your own energy. If your mindset's about looking to take wickets, all of a sudden you can get a bit of life out of the surface. You can put the pressure back on the opposition batters. So to me, it's more of a mindset to go, let's take this game on and try to get wickets in this first 10 rather than contain. Yeah, I agree. And I was watching that Sri Lanka game quite closely in the first 10 overs and I thought the same thing. It's They're not creating many chances. They're not really getting that energy. There was one or two balls that flew through and if you're seeing that as a bowler, you're going, okay, I just got to keep hitting the deck hard. He run in hard, hit the deck hard, get something out of this pitch. Just felt like they were letting it happen and letting it um, sort of just go along. And, and Sri Lanka were quite comfortable at the time. So, yeah, that's probably one downfall that I see with that attack at the moment is they're not really trying to to get those early wickets or, or trying to do something a little bit different. I think it's very predictable at the moment. That's just from sitting here. But... Yeah, look, I think they've got to try something a little bit different. Maybe it's angles on the crease. Maybe it's changing the field where it's a bit more in your face. 
I noticed that there's been a bit of that reactiveness where, you know, balls have gone to the boundary and they've set the field to that sort of side and, and, and whatnot. But, yeah, look, it's been an interesting start to the, the World Cup. I, I noticed, though, in – so, yes, they were one for 150, but there, there was a moment in that game where things changed. And I think Paddy did a really good job with that, actually. He, he got rid of the two openers and then all of a sudden it looked like, to me, we, we got a bit of our mojo back. We started to create a bit of presence out in the field. We took a couple of good catches – in the deep, that then all of a sudden we we started uh, probably bullying the game a little bit and controlling mm. the the way we want to play rather than waiting for the opposition to to react to what they were doing. You hit it right on the head there, Hads, and that's how we we nice. played the game, wasn't it? Mm. It was. He's a scholar. He's a scholar. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, we, we've been through yeah. that so many times, and, and and it's interesting when you're sitting back and watching it now, and and you can you can see it as as a past player, and they definitely had. Something uh, that little switch, it was something, and Pat led that um, attack. He, he led the way, and you appreciate that, and you go, okay, well, this is what should be happening from ball one, and don't let the teams get away. Don't let them get none for 50. So Travis Head says he's going to be back for the England game or available for the England game on November 4. A bit of other news floating around is that Pakistan have a health crisis. The flu ripped through the joint. Abdullah Shafiq is uh, in quarantine, apparently. Three others are on the men, including their very important quick Shane Shafridi. Have you guys ever been in camp where a, a virus or a bit of Fidel Gastro or something else has swept through and is just guys ducking for cover and trying to avoid each other in the hallways? Yep. Before coronavirus came, we had coronavirus a lot on, on tour. Yeah. That was after 30 of them the night before. <laughs> and it was very quiet in the uh, Okay, let me rephrase. <laughs> Has there been a sickness that ripped through the camp that alcohol was in no way responsible for? Oh, you have to ask Mitch. <laughs> it, like, it, it seems weird that this, this pops up for the odd team at almost every big event these days. I don't know what's going on in hotel air events or things like that, but yeah. – it's a dicey one. Yeah, I don't know. I remember Brett Lee getting a bit crook in India and I can't remember what year that was, but he uh, – I don't know if you remember this, Hads. The doc, the team doc at the time oh, hey. <laughs> um, had to get – Nagpur. Nagpur, that was it. So Nagpur, yeah. yeah, the food was probably a little bit dicey and um, Brett was a bit sick and – the doc's come over to him at the ground and had to give him a needle and he's so nervous, this doc, and he's like fumbled this needle to give him an injection just to, you know, calm the stomach and make him not shit himself basically. And he's fumbled <laughs> this like needle and it's flying up in the air. It's like one of those cartoons and it's like going in slow motion. You can see it flipping around and then it sticks into Binger's arm. It just like <laughs> dropped in. Binger's like, ah! He's screaming going, what? And then the doc's like freaked out. He's pulled it out and then he's knocked over a can of Coke onto Ricky Ponting's like number one bat. And it's oh, it's a can of Coke <laughs> oh, and no. Punda's like blowing up. Like, so <laughs> to get back to the sickness side of things, I mean, there's, yeah, guys that definitely get <laughs> sick, but um, I mean, it never, I never saw anything like, you know, crazy. It's just, you know, a couple of guys get sick here and there and you then get on with it. Who was the doc? Was it like a local? Dr. McCann or, from or, WA. Not Dr. Nick Riviera from The Simpsons? <laughs> what, he was a doctor that didn't know what to do with a needle. Mate, he got flustered. Yeah, Brett Lee and Ricky Pine, two of the biggest <laughs> names in, in world cricket. It, it, I remember that uh, perfectly with Brett. He, he was, Brett's gone, mate, watch the needle. He said, I won't do anything. <laughs> went whack. And you could just see it fly. 
and land on the back of uh, and and Brett's mate. He's always sanitised. He's uh, yeah. everything's right. That 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 nearly broke Binger. Oh, outstanding! Great story. But Bangalore is the venue, not Nagpur, for the this uh, forthcoming fixture. Hads, a couple of good memories for you from the 2011 World Cup against the might of Canada '88 and the might of Kenya '65. So picking on the big guns there, weren't you? Yeah. You didn't bring up the you didn't bring up the fifty against India and the one against nah. New Zealand. No, well, it wasn't in Bangalore, was it? <laughs> and, and, and Mitch, you got to watch Sasin Tendulkar uh, smack a double ton in twenty ten. There, not in a World Cup game, but uh, well, I was, yeah, good I was times. about to say to Hads, at least you remember the twenty eleven World Cup. I've I don't remember it to be honest. I remember parts of it. For some reason, my memory's gone. That's that Corona thing again. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I actually re- I remember Binger getting hit in the eye in that on that game against India. I think it bounced up and hit him in yeah. the as he was sliding to to stop a boundary semi final. Yeah, yeah, that was Did it. Did he need a needle? Yeah. Probably. I tell you what, though, B- Bangalore is an interesting ground because the the ball travels a, a long way. Mm. Traditionally, the the wicket's nice and flat, and you normally send them in because you, you can't control the the runs, you, you want to be able to know what it is that due comes into the game. So it, it's going to be a big toss and, and it'll be interesting to see what Australia do. Let's have a look at the, some of these upsets, shall we? So England, Afghanistan. Now that, that's an upset. Yes. Mm. Um, Afghanistan though have, have got some international class players and emerging players that you, you know they're going to be, you know, there and, and always going to be rising, I think, in the next decade or so. And a shocker from England, they've got to bounce back. So by 69 runs. And then this one. But I did tell you, Hats, I did tell you that the Netherlands are going to knock off one of the big guns. I didn't expect it to be this one, though. This was an absolute shocker from South Africa up north, beaten by 38 runs, overs reduced to 43 apiece. And, I mean, Netherlands at one stage was 6 for 110, I I reckon, and South Africa just balls it up. Amazing result. Well, I think South Africa balls it up before the game started, if if I'm totally honest. if you look for an upset in, in this tournament, South Africa are normally involved in them in, mm. in some way, shape, or form, especially in a big event. But they, they won the toss and decided to send the Netherlands in. And it looked all right at six for 116 or whatever it was. But straight away to me, that's a negative mindset, that they're worried about playing this game where they should have won the toss, gone out there and bat, take the game on, bullied the Netherlands. In the especially f- with rain about, don't well, you reckon? Well, the first game they got 400. The, yeah. the second game they got on a, a wicket that was hard work, mm. they scored 300. So go out there and play the game like you're going to bully it. Mm. Yes, we're South Africa, one of the most formed teams in the competition. We've got a powerful middle order. We're just going to bat you out of the game. We're going to take the game on. We're going to really put you to the sword. Don't, oh, we'll send them in and then we'll chase what they get. You you give the team like Netherlands uh, a fighting chance then. If you've got 300 on the board, they're, they're out of the game. The, the game's over. Which one's more seismic for you, Mitch? These two results. Uh, I think last, well, the last one, the South Africa one. But like had said, this is South Africa. It tends to to happen, especially in World Cups for them, where they seem to get into these positions. They've started well in the tournament and then try something different instead of sticking to their guns. They've they've been batting well. They've been great in the field. They've bowled well. They've got the attack. They've got everything. This will be interesting though to see how they they go from from here will it have an effect on them mentally mm. because it'll be something that'll be in the papers back home it'll be from other media outlets that'll be talked about that you know south africa are, are gone and uh, i just wonder how they'll bounce back from this I, i'm sure they they will i think they're they're in a different position than what they have been in the past but we'll have to wait and see the, the one way they've got to bounce back from it is not go here we go again 
they, they've got to find some way to put their, their past downfalls but behind them because it, you can just sort of feel it coming with, with South Africa. All of a sudden, they've sent them in, as we said there before, but how did they now, Mitch, you put that out of their head? How, how do they get past that and think, hang on a minute, there'll be guys having coffee here, there'll be six out for dinner, three over here, and they'll be talking about it. What Do you bring them together and say, listen, that was just a really bad day and get it all off your chest? Or is it a moment thinking, oh, here we go again? Because you can't let it fester. Yeah, I mean, I want to ask you something, Hads. <laughs> question with a question. Mm. Well, maybe it's not a question, but do you remember the 2015 World Cup? We spoke about the pressure of playing in Australia and we didn't want to go yeah. out there and worry about that at all. We just wanted to go and play cricket. The pressure's already there and we just want to focus yep. on, on playing and having fun. I think South Africa probably have to just go, look, we've got a great team. Let's bounce. Well, that game's gone. We've got Quinton de Kock who's retiring after this World Cup. We just have to go out and play for each other, not worry about results and, and just go out there and, and, yeah, just try and focus on that more than anything. I don't think they can think about – what's just happened too much it happens it's a world cup you've got that's that's the other thing i've been listening and going there's these teams that are in there like um netherlands and like afghanistan and and they're meant to be these easy teams to play against but it's a world cup they're in there for a reason and anything can happen on a a good day and and it has happened so i think they just have to move on and do their best to just be within their group be in their bubble i think is probably probably the best thing that they can do right now is just stay in that bubble yeah, they play England on uh, on the weekend, so that's set up for a huge fixture. I mean, going into that one with South Africa, it was like, well, they're going to take one of the, the four spots, but it's really opened up and a great result for Australia in that one. So plenty of good cricket to come in the next few days at the World Cup. Mitch, you want to wind it back a bit in a moment, but we're just going to have a spell for a sec. So let's get into story time with Mitch Johnson. And uh, we'll, we'll start with the 2015 World Cup, shall we, Mitch? And, well, Mitch Stark really ruined the game as a contest in the first over. And Hads has talked about that great length after getting rid of uh, old Basball. But, mate, your World Cup experience and your memories from that magnificent day uh, won't get into the night because the, the theme over the, last, the first half hour here is that memory might have been wiped at a certain time. <laughs> but the actual contest, mate, and, and being involved in that group of players and that moment on home soil. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing to go and play a final at the MCG in front of a, a huge crowd against New Zealand who beat us in the first match in uh, Auckland. Um, they surprised us a bit as had has come out and said that they um, were so friendly. It, it sort of, I think it rattled us a bit, way too friendly in the, in the hallways before that game. So we came out there. We actually were quite confident, I felt. Um, a lot of their guys hadn't played at the MCG before and they hadn't played in a World Cup final uh, to that sort of, atmosphere and and that crowd so yeah we had a lot of confidence going in we had a really good plan early on to uh with mitch stark to brendan mccullum and we felt like if we could get him early that just sort of gave us a a better chance of winning that match and that first over was it was so good Uh, the first ball almost almost (laughs) falls in and we're all up and about and it was just that energy that we had we weren't overconfident but we had that confidence and the and i guess the the body language to go with it and and everyone was yeah we, we just loved it and that that ball that got him was just it just went off and and so did starkey starkey just yeah. ran off and and you <laughs> i look back at that highlight to that and he was so young and fresh but he was yeah. already like a what he was it was our best bowler through that well, he was the best bowler in the tournament uh, he won player of the series and 
he saved, almost saved us in that Auckland match. But yeah, just to to be there at the MCG and to win a World Cup final there was was absolutely amazing. Yeah, he's still pivotal, Mitch Stark. Just the, the bloke that sits next to me here, Mitch. When I think of Australian cricketers who are loved not over in New Zealand, I reckon Greg Chappell probably, for obvious reasons, tops the list. I reckon Hads is is second best. So you, you said there about being too friendly. Was Hads rocking around going, don't fall for it. We're going to hate <laughs> these blokes. We're going to get into them, this and the other. Don't be friendly back. Was it was it that theme or was it something uh, else? Not really, no. And I actually want to debate that. I think I'm probably – up there is one of the most hated over there as well. <laughs> but Hads was he was he, he was just probably a bit quiet. He was just sort of, sort of you could see him thinking and and what's going on. Like we we're all thinking the same thing. They're so like friendly to us, and we're going, why are they so? They want to be our mates. What what's going on here? We're about to go out and play a game of cricket, and, and they got us. They were in our head. But yeah, I want to go back on the the friendliness. I, I remember we played a, a test match in Hamilton. And I think they do the V8 supercars there or used to. And yeah. we were on the ground and I went down to fine leg and this guy gave me an absolute mouthful. He goes, oh, you wear, um, you're a wife beater, Mitch Johnson. You're a wife beater. <laughs> and I'm like, turned around this boy. He had a big mullet flowing and he had his beer in his hand. I was like, Lovely. mate, I said, my wife's a black belt. She beats me. And everyone just like <laughs> lost it. <laughs> They're quite vocal there in, in New Zealand. And, and it's great. It's a great place to play. It's just a very small grounds to play on. And my first game actually there was in a one-day game. And I think it was Christchurch and Jacob Borum hit me out of the stadium, miles out of the stadium. And I still get reminded by him whenever I've seen him um, when we played IPL. <laughs> hey, Hads, just on on the guy we're talking to. So this is in a, a period of his life where he's actually hit an incredible spell in terms of rhythm, in terms of it, knowing what his role is and his output and taking wickets and we'll mention the Ashes in a moment, but I'm talking this this period of his of his career. You were keeping to him for a lot of it in Australian colours. What was that feeling like when he was at his absolute top and the ball was hitting your gloves? Well, I, I take it back to the 2014 Ashes. I, I've been lucky enough to keep with some of the fastest bowlers in the world. You had Binger, you had Sean Tate, uh, you had great bowlers like Glenn McGrath, but that was the only series I was ever part of where the grown men were petrified. Mm. What, we, you could see it when they were walking out? You could see out. it in their eyes. Yeah. And, and we played on that and we, we spoke about that as, as well as the team. But what England didn't understand is we had to face it in the nets. <laughs> it, it was the worst part ever of your job. And I remember batting with our great mate, Ryan Harris. And you had to sort of bat in the nets in pairs and you get face four balls and you take one. He'd look up, go, Mitch's, and just run. I said, mate, <laughs> you haven't faced the ball. And, and I remember him having an argument just before that with uh, Darren Lehman. He said, Buff, I'm not facing this. It's too fast. And Buff's going, get in there. <laughs> he said, if you're not going to get in there, Hads, get in there. I said, I'm not taking his balls. It's smiling too fast. But the, the point of it was it was just so different to what we'd ever seen. And we had yeah. a game plan to intimidate. And Mitch did that to a T, but to see grown men with fear in their eyes was an unbelievable feeling standing behind the stumps. Could you smell it and see it, Mitch? Oh, yeah, you could definitely sense it. It was um, pretty obvious to us that they, a few of their players didn't want to be there. So, yeah, look, it was a, I guess that's sort of a compliment in some ways that I was doing my job as, as a bowler and 
doing the role that I was asked to do was to intimidate, bowl short spells, bowl fast. That's why I sort of look back and go how lucky I was to get all those wickets because it was almost like I wasn't in the team to, to get those <laughs> wickets. It was more, like I said, just to intimidate. But like from my point of view, bowling to a batsman and then Hads catching him behind, we'd often like, he would often say a few things to me. It was like the beginning of a spell or, or at the end of a spell, it'd be like how it was hitting his gloves and you could hear it and you could hear the difference when it was going through fast. Now, you didn't even have to see anything up on the screens about pace. He just goes, mate, you're bowling quick. And you could hear it hit the gloves and mm-hmm. and he just he just told you all the time that yep you're hitting the hitting gloves hard mate so that was a bit of a sign when you when you heard that but um yeah, it was it was always good fun with Hads. he threw his body around and <laughs> it was always good fun that the relationship between bowler and keeper through that but it wasn't just through that series it was it was throughout our careers yeah. was was always great fun and you started off the 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 show with you know talking about maybe mentioning my my man of the series or, or whatever, uh, or me playing so well in that Ashes series. But Hads was, you know, he should have probably been up there with me taking that man of the series when I look back and and what he did for the team in that series was phenomenal. He got us out of trouble on many of occasions with the bat. Good point, Mitch. Very good point. <laughs> Missed out in the golden goblets that they used to give away. Remember that back in the day? Mate, ma- imagine if they they did go joint man in the series and me, Mitch and I did get a, a motorbike to ride around the SCG at the end. <laughs> that would have been cage. <laughs> but Mitch, just in a general sense, I don't know if you, you've been able to, and you do a bit of public speaking and things, if you also to, to junior players or, or players in general about finding part of your career where you it just seems everything's working and how you get to that and what else you have to block out, the experiences you have to go through and take on board and and bits from that, the advice that you get, good people around you like Hads. I mean, what's key to it all? Because those those years in your career, I mean, just amazing. This could be a very long answer, but I'll try and make it short. Um, not, not too long. I think it's actually making mistakes along the way and learning from them. Um, and knowing, getting to know your game as, as a player, it was something that, you know, you feel like when you're a young guy, you, you need to be in a rush and you need to make it, you need to play for your country, you need to do this, you need to do that and you want to be at your best early. But you have to go through mistakes and you have to learn uh, the game. And for me, I made plenty of mistakes along the way and it got to a point for me where I was able to, get away from the game because I had a toe injury in 2011 and I had time to actually think about how I wanted to go about playing cricket and I wanted to do it my way. I wanted to bowl fast. I wanted to, you know, be aggressive. I guess that was probably a pivotal point for me in my career. To It was the mindset again because the game is played, they talk about 80% in the mind and it's probably more than that to be honest it, because physically and, and skills-wise everyone's very similar it comes down to that mindset and, and where you put yourself. So it's understanding that you're not always going to have those good days as well because they rarely come along. There was – even through that Ashes series, there was a couple of times where you go, oh, it doesn't feel great today, but I'm going to work with what I've got. And you have to do that. There was times in my career before that 2013-14 period where I was fighting it all the time. There'd be days where I wanted to swing the ball and it – I was just fighting it. Oh, come on, I've got to swing it. I've got to swing it. I've got to swing it. And by the time I've finished my first spell, I haven't swung the ball and I've gone for plenty of runs and my confidence is down. So by the time you go into your next spell, you're still thinking about it. And so it's going through all those 
uh, ups and downs I felt was was the best thing for me. And I, and I talk about it in those public speaking gigs that I do. Is one was belief. You got to have belief. You got to believe yourself. Believe in what you're doing, and have confidence and and just back yourself all the way. And I always throw fun on top of it. You've got to enjoy it because if you don't enjoy it, there's no point being out there and and you won't play well anyway. So, I mean, there's a, so much to it that yeah, it could go. I could talk about this forever. But I think the main thing is it's it's going out there, having a crack, make those mistakes. Don't let it bring you down. Just learn from it because you'll learn your game better. It's interesting to hear you talk about that, Mitch, because some of the greatest successes we had was the 2015 World Cup, obviously at home, and, and, and the Ashes in 2014. But the reason it was so enjoyable is because we'd also been through some hard times to, together as a team. I, I was out there batting when, when Mitch's toe fell off. And he tried to go off the field, actually. And I said, you're not going off. <laughs> you're going to get through this. And you got through and you won the game for us. But the reason that they're so special is because all the, the times you've, you've, you've lost those close ones, you've been mm. injured, and, and you had a group of players that had been through some hard times together. And, and to come out the other end of it, see, the most enjoyable part about all that success is watching your teammates do well. You, you know the hard times they've been through. You, you know the good times. That, and – when you're out there playing, you weren't thinking about anything else but just enjoying the moment with the group of guys that you've come a long way through good and bad together. Yes, yeah, spot on, Hads. That's that team mentality that we had. We, we were doing it for each other. And again, it goes back to the roles that we were asked to, to play. If you're playing that role, but I think you're right, like it was never an individual thing for us. It was all about play your role, but it's it's we wanted that team success so badly, uh, World Cups, Ashes, whatever it was. South Africa, um, India. We, we just wanted that success. Last one for you, Mitch. Um, what's your days entail now? You've, you've got kids as well who are uh, on the path to getting black belts too. So, <laughs> geez, I pity the poor fool who mistakes your place for a good place to break into. But anyway, what's every what's daily life look like for you, mate? Um, a couple of lattes in the morning, mate. Drop the kids off, have a, have a couple of coffees, have a chat with a few few mates down at the, the coffee shop. We've actually got a bit of a group together try and help the community, uh, which is quite good. Like, you know, go and mow someone's lawn or help with the uh, fixing something in their house or whatever it may be. And then I've been doing a few speaking gigs in the mines, uh, the mine sites in WA, um, just talking about mental health, leadership, resilience, all those things. So that's been really eye-opening for me and doing a little bit of training. I've um, joined the karate club. My, my wife is, uh, Jess is a black belt in karate and she's got her own mm. club. So I've been, I've been doing, I'm actually, what am I at now? I'm orange, orange and white belt. So I've still got a long so way to go. how far is that catch. to black? Oh, a long way. I think that's yep. three gradings I've done now. And I've been doing a bit of MMA stuff with my mate who's actually got a fighter called uh, Jack Della Maddalena. Um, how'd you like this? I actually mm. got in the cage with him a few months ago. Oh. Um, before his last fight against Kevin Holland because they wanted me because of the reach because Kevin Holland was quite tall and long. And so I was like, I said to Ben who uh, runs, uh, owns Scrappy MMA, I said to him, are you sure you want me to go in there? And he's like, yeah, yeah, go in there. I want someone who's got the, you know, you could just jab away and move around a bit. And yeah, it was it was good, but it just goes to show what, what fitness is and what He's actually, Jack is such a, a good guy, but I can just go, you know what? He, he would snap me in half in, in two seconds if he wanted to. And oh. my, my back was full of bruises and getting thrown against the cage. And But I really had a good experience. Oh, good times. I enjoyed it. 
<laughs> oh, sound like a real blast. Hats, we're going to see you in a cage anytime soon. Well, Hats is a boxer. Oh, he likes until, his boxing. boxing <laughs> until we used to muck around a, a little bit. And and Mitch was frightening. Like once you're on tour, you're bored. I remember one time we are having a bit of fun in the, the team room. We took the gloves off, uh, the pads off and, oh, mate, <laughs> the things you do when, you, when you're bored. But the one thing I wouldn't do was go near this man. Fair enough too. Fair enough too. Hey, Mitch Johnson, thanks so much for joining us on Willow Talk, mate. And, um, yeah, we'll have you on again very, very soon to tell some more uh, old stories. Good times. No worries. Thanks, guys. Um, enjoy Rhino. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing that one. <laughs> Same, actually. You got anything for us? Oh, I'm the worst for stories. I really am the worst for stories, and I always get asked like, "Oh, your Brett Lee one was a good one." Yeah, I've got a few. With Rhino, it's a bit different. It was, yeah, I don't know. I've got nothing, no dirt on him, no nothing really. That's you know, you'll get it out of him, I'm sure. Mate, you, you remember where we used to have the pink jacket and the the Aussie jacket? You used to present to the the yep. man of the match, and mm. if you do all the one percent things. And I remember Rhino winning it. Remember it was a Boxing Day Test match, and we're down the bar with all the families, and and Ryan's wife Cherie presented the jacket to Ryan. And she started to tell the story about him. And she said, "Oh, every time Ryan gets excited, woo 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 woo," <laughs> and you. You're in there with the cricket team, and what do you think we're thinking? And, and Rhino's <laughs> never lived that down to a day, so well, it's going to be interesting to, to see when we get him on how many times he woo woos when I'm he sure gets excited. <laughs> uh, there was one story, and I don't know if you've already mentioned it was the it was the Crown Casino one in Perth after we won. <laughs> I don't know if that's been mentioned or not. He, he'll hate that one. Well, but we'd had a we'd had a a, a good night. Um, Warney had actually invited us to a, a room that he had there, and. Uh, it was at, at, at sort of an outside pool and all that kind of stuff and, and cigar and he's like, he was on fire. He was absolutely <laughs> on fire, loving, loving life. And uh, we decided to go over to the casino to try and, you know, put a, put a bit of money away or whatever but or win a bit of money and uh, we wouldn't, didn't get let in. So a few of us were like, oh, yeah, no worries. We're, we're out of here. I was with Jess, I think, and a few partners were there. So... And Rhino was having none of it. He was blowing up. He's like, I wanna, I wanna go and gamble. Like and decided to tweet it out at four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning, tweet out that how disappointed oh, no. he was with with the casino. <laughs> and it came back to our team manager, uh, not me, uh, team media manager at the time, um, Hutch, and she was not impressed. And so he had to make an apology. And he actually did it when he was put up to the presser. And his face was all like swollen, like he'd been stung like a by a bee, because he'd get like quite, quite swollen after a night out, uh, after a few beers. So, yeah, he looked like an absolute menace, um, and he was pretty pretty embarrassed about it. Uh, poor fella. Well, we look forward to um, that as the perfect tease for Ryan Harris, which is coming up next week. But uh, Mitch, thanks again, mate, yeah, and um, yeah, take it easy over there. Thanks, Hads, John. Adam, thank you. Now, Hads, last but definitely not least, I've been waiting for this. I. As listeners might know here on Willow Talk, uh, uh, a man when it comes to Australian cricket who looks at it without borders. So I'm no real blue bagger, for instance. You, you think I'm a WA closet fan. I just admire them because of the way they go about their business. But seriously, Bradley, the hell is going on with New South Wales? Well, I tell you what it has been. It's been a really enjoyable World Cup to, to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and what's happened overnight, we've seen some really good results uh, <laughs> no. for, for Australia. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. What has gone on there? Is South Australia, oh. good, fantastic. But the team of imports, I think producer Sam uh, fed us the stats, seven of the 11 for South Australia from 
interstate and New South Wales just not up to it? I, I don't know the answer. I, I'm looking at this this New South Wales team now. We, we went through last season undefeated. We've lost our first two games this year. The, the one thing they've got to get around is stop winning the toss and bowling first. It's not working. No. It's not working. <laughs> Evidently. Set, set the game up. If you win the toss bat, let's try to put some runs on the board, but th- there's got to be some changes. There's got to be some questions asked. Mm. Th- this has been going on for, for some time. Now, maybe the senior players aren't the ones to take us forward. If we're not winning games uh, with those guys around, maybe it's time to to give some kids a go. We've seen a young fast bowler come and get fire from Dubu. Maybe we need to start pushing some of this younger talent on and, mm. and freshen things up a bit because whatever we're doing at the at the moment it is boring and we've just lost to a New South Wales second eleven in South Australia. So we need answers. It's annoying you, isn't it? Oh, like you wouldn't <laughs> believe. It just, it just keep doing the same things over and over again and getting the same results. So maybe this is a catalyst for change. We, we need to do something different because it's not working. Good result for Queensland up in Mackay, uh, just giving it to Victoria by 10 wickets. And Michael Nisa, not, we know him as a bowler, but he's an all-rounder. The way he's going with the bat at the moment, 90 to go with... 18 and 140 already this season. When Yawa can bat, we saw him do it in county cricket and the the winter just gone as well. Uh, he's averaging 92 in his last seven first-class games. Uh, Matty Renshaw with a ton as well. Usman Kawaja wasn't there. Get to that in a moment. But, uh, yeah, Victoria well beaten in the far north. Yeah, and what you like to see, you like to see guys on the fringe starting to put some numbers up. Um, Matty Renshaw, that we know there's going to be a spot um, in the test team after the Sydney test, we we know David Warner's, that's his end date. He's, he's told everyone. But Michael Nisa, what I like about him, his bowling's been on the fringe for some time. He's been on a lot of tours. He's played his test match, but he hasn't quite got the opportunities to play. So he's gone away, worked on his batting, and now all of a sudden, he's a genuine all-round option in the test team. You could bat Alex Carey at, at six and Nisa could come in at seven. So he's gone away, worked on his game and and all he can do is put big numbers up and make the de- selectors make a decision and that's what he's doing. What do you make of Uzi missing these matches? Now it's it's all by the by because I understand it's Cricket Australia have made the request. Queensland's not over the moon about it but had to accept it because they aren't in control and Uzi gets to go and watch uh, Tim Zoo fight and do what he wants. <laughs> How good. Yeah, I think if, if you look at that, it's oh, it's about trying to manage his summer. He's got a big summer coming up ahead. He's got test matches. And, and I think there's six games leading into the first test. Normally they have uh, two or three shield games. So, yeah, it's it's obviously someone when you get into that age that they start to manage it. Do, do I like the the look of it? Not, not really. I'd like to see... Guys like Woodsman bring a lot to state cricket. Um, they're, they're experienced. They're, he's the captain of the team. And and to have him around more often than not helps the, the guys like uh, Renshaw and, and guys like that to develop their game. So, yeah, it's obviously a workload management. We've heard a lot of, about that. So Cricket Australia think that's his best plan to, to get through the summer. And with ageing players, some, sometimes this has to happen. And the other game that um, took place over the, the weekend or the, these last few days, WA Tasmania Runfest over there at the Wacker. Uh, plenty of runs scored. Jordan Silk is a player that New South Wales could do with. Uh, nearly a double ton. His second uh, ton of the season. Sammy Whiteman at the top of the order for WA, 188. And Cam Bancroft, remember him, 91. So a few openers around the place, um, you know, putting their hand up for when Davey says, 
bye-bye after the SCG test. Oh, I love the shootout. Oh, I love that guys like Bancroft, Sammy Whiteman are starting to put some big numbers up. There, there's an opportunity there at the top of the order. We, we know that with, with David's retirement, the end of the Sydney test. So these guys now have got something to play for. For, for a long time now, for 10 years, Davies had that spot, but there's an opening. And the one thing you want, you, you want to see the players on the on the fringe dominate state cricket. You want to see them get 100 after 100. They they need to back this up next game. And, and when the time comes of selection, when they sit down, make it a hard decision for the selectors. Mm. If you're scoring runs and you're doing your best chance, you, you can of putting your name in that spot. Now, we've got the uh, WBBL starting tonight as well. Now, head over to Willow Talk's Instagram and TikTok accounts. You're all over TikTok ads, I know it. You, you're always like putting music behind you and doing these silly dances with your kids and everything like that. But yeah, over at Insta and TikTok, uh, to see the stars of the game and who they think is the team to beat and the hardest batters and bowlers to face this campaign. Sixes and stars to kick off the season. You've got a tip overall, Sixes, let me guess. I, I tell you, I do have a tip. Yeah. Elise Perry's out of the first game yeah. for slow over eights. <laughs> Yeah. Last year. <laughs> That's so a long memory. You've got the Sixers playing the Stars, which is a, a marquee event to kick off the summer. Oh, by the way, no one even knew about it. Everyone forgot <laughs> that the overs were slow. Why wouldn't they just sort of sweep it on the carpet? Life yeah. goes on. This is a new season. You can make up rules for superstars. Make we, up a second 11 game and name her for that and say, oh, you're suspended for that. Well, you, you need your best players playing, selling the mm. product. And it's getting better and better, the WBBL. So you, you want her playing. You, you want the kids watching her in the first game. So I'm not a big fan of them doing that. You could have swept it under the cup and no one remembers how slow yeah. the overs were last year. Yeah, it's not like she hit an umpire with nah. a bat or something like that. I mean, it's a slow over rate. Uh, anyway, that's that's life, Bradley. Sometimes you get things that just don't make sense and you have to just get on with it. Well, that does like New South Wales cricket. No. Uh, we'll be back with you on HR? Saturday morning recapping Australia's World Cup match against Pakistan. So, Hads, we'll uh, catch you then. I can't wait. Uh, thanks to everyone for Afghanistan and the Netherlands for keeping Australia in the tournament. So just look to the Aussie boys to get on a bit of a roll now. Have a good one. <laughs>